Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And it is never what happened that messes with them. It's what they made it mean Mm, about them or about people or about life or about trust or about whatever. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week. So I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling books, is now available on my website, johnsrenny.com. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. This is the perfect way to get 2024 off to a powerful start. So check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about becoming unflappable, and my guest is Jocelyn Herman Saccio. Jocelyn is a master coach who helps leaders focus on their vision and become calm, cool, and unflappable under pressure. She calls this state unmessable with, and we learn a lot more about it in this powerful discussion. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jocelyn Herman Saccio. Jocelyn is a master coach in the art of being unmessable with, no matter what life throws at you. She has spent over 30 years as an entrepreneur, author, coach, leader, and designer of transformative programs. Her mission is to empower people to live the life of their dreams now versus someday and develop themselves to be unmessable with in the process One fun fact about Jocelyn is that she's a former pop singer and songwriter. Her group recorded the hit song, That's What Love Can Do, which was a number one billboard song in America. I am excited to have her on the show to talk about how to become unmessable with. So, Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Oh, it's good to meet you. And I've been practicing that word unmessable. I know it's a tongue twister sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to start out just getting into the, the basics of that because I really like the concept. Um, so what does it mean to be unmessable with? Well, the first thing I'll tell you what it doesn't mean, because sometimes people hear it and they go, oh, that means being tough or not letting people get to you. And that's not really what it is at all. What I mean by being unmessable with is being able to stay focused on your vision on your dream, on your purpose, and act from that space versus the space of reaction where you're messable with. People say things, things happen, whatever, and you go into reaction mode or survival mode. So there's a difference between reaction and creation. And being unmessable with is the muscle to stay in the world of creation no matter what's coming at you. And life throws stuff at us, right? So, I mean, you got to be ready for that. It's not like things are lollipops and rainbows all the time. Yeah, so it's almost like the idea that you're you're staying firm on a course no matter what storms come, is that you, yeah. study, you stay on that course because you have a plan, you have a goal, you have a mission, and you have a true north that you're going towards, and uh, you don't let things distract you from that mission or you know, to take you off that mission. You stay on that course. Uh, is that kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing? Very close. It's very close. What you, what I hear from what you said is it's more about goals versus vision, which okay. is more spatial. So it's kind of like, you know, if you have a vision for freedom, then you might have goals within that vision. Okay. You know, to make a certain amount of money or to, you know, sell your company or to whatever. But goals, if you get too fixated on goals, you're focused on the vision, the vehicle, not the vision. And I like right, to keep people right. in the space of creation. So that means their goals are etched in sand to some degree. So they're able to pivot when they need to inside of a bigger vision, like a purpose. I like that, a purpose. And you use the word creation, which is interesting because one of the things that I, when I talk to like high school students, one of the things I say is that we live in a consumer society. And I said, the people who make history or, or accomplish things are the creators, not the consumers. And I tell them to be creators and not consumers and to create, not consume. Why did you use the word creation? I like that. Well, if you look in your own life, I mean, just look at anything that was like magical in your life. It was in that space of creation. And you might not have even known what you were doing. You know, maybe it was even creating this podcast and you were just, you know, you were kind of throwing stuff out there and create. And even your failures were exhilarating to some degree. That's that space of creation. It's like there's magic. It's like the beginning of a relationship or the beginning of a company or the beginning of anything. But very often, almost always, in my experience, that moves into, creeps into the space of management. And management is not magical. It's more survival-based. It's more getting things done, going through the, this thing to get to that thing. To the, so it's a lot of looking down and in versus up and out. Vision and creation is more an up and out phenomenon. And one of the biggest things that I work with people on is developing the muscle to move from reaction to creation because creation is where the magic is. So if you want to have like the life of your dreams, you have to be able to access that space, not just when you're, you know, creating a piece of art or creating a new company, but also at Starbucks or when you're on the phone with the insurance company or whenever in normal everyday moments of life be able to access that space of creation and magic and vision and breath, really. 
Okay. I, I, I see where this is going. I like it. <laughs> so you work with a lot of people. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you work with them? How do you empower them to live, to, to, to pursue their vision, to pursue the life of, the, of their dreams? How do you help them stay in that creation mode and, and, and avoid the reaction mode? Well, it depends on who I'm working with. I have a lot of different ways that I work. I have one-on-one coaching. I do a group mastery for entrepreneurs, and I have like regular group coaching. I have courses. So it depends on the context in which I'm working with somebody. If I'm working with an entrepreneur who wants to minimally double their business, that's the kind of ticket into this mastery program, then I would work with them on performance, on vision, on, you know, being able to see where they're stuck in reaction mode in the creation of their business or the management of their business, where they're stuck doing it all versus having it all and start to really allocate and delegate and, you know, from inside of their vision, you know, so that it's all in fulfillment of their ultimate purpose and the purpose of their company. Because most people lose sight of their vision because they're so busy getting stuff done. And very effective people are really good at reacting and they're really good at getting stuff done. So it ends up being the muscle memory goes there versus that space of, okay, what am I creating right now? Not from where I am, and to exponentially, you know, to like move a little bit here or increase 20% or whatever. But from nothing, what do I want in five years from now or a year from now? And then design backwards to see what has to get created now to fulfill on that vision that you created from a blank canvas, not from a canvas that already had a bunch of stuff on it that now you're just going to add a little more blue and a little more red and, you know, end up with a very thick canvas, you know. Right. So do you do you help people figure out what their vision is, too? Because I was going to say I had a networking meeting this morning and just an impressive guy that I met with this morning. But I kept asking him, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Where, where, what do you what's your goals? And he, he, he didn't know. And I said, well, that, that seems like it's the first thing you've got to work out. Is that something you help people with? Because I absolutely surprised to see such an accomplished person. It's without, shocking, right? Without it's like shocking. A, a vision or a plan for it's not future. just you know yeah. successful people. It's just people get so busy getting through life they don't have time to look up at what they want. It's like, oh, what do yeah. I want? What are you talking about? I'm just trying to deal with what's happening right now. You know, get my kids to college or get you know my my business out of the red or whatever it is. So accessing your vision take something because sometimes it sometimes doesn't take that much because people can tap into it. But sometimes there's a lot of things that are unresolved from the past and that's clouding your vision. So if you have a lot of those kind of limiting beliefs or negative self-talk or, you know, lids or limits that are are encroaching on your view, you can't really see a vision. So you've got to first dismantle. That's what I call what messes with people, you know, dismantle those beliefs, dismantle those truths that aren't really true, but that they think are true and free them from that so that they can actually look in the direction of, okay, what do I want? What what do I want? Not only, you know, for my company, but what do I want for my life? Like, what do I want at the end of my life? What do I want to say I fulfilled on? That's a question most people don't ask themselves. Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think that's one of the I do I do feel that 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 n- many people haven't figured that out. I know when I got out of the military, I struggled for a long time to pick yeah. because I did everything I wanted to do in my life by 26 years old. Then I was like, mm-hmm. well, now what? Right? And 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 that was really a hard question to answer, like now what? Because I never really dreamed of my life after the military and it took me a long time and a lot of veterans 
struggle with that because they had an identity which was in the military. They come out and they're like, I, I don't know who I am. You know, and, I, I and that think was it's not it's not unique to the military. It's interesting because even when I got my number, you know, when I got my record deal and got my number one record, which was my lifelong dream and blah, blah, blah. I was like, now what? You know, it's like now my whole life, this is what I've been dreaming of. Now I did it. So now what? And I had to look from nothing. And I work with people that are, you know, successful towards the end of their career. And they're sort of like, you know, I still have this company. It's making money. But I I don't know if I really want to still do it. Am I just doing it because it's there? And now what am I? And it's very common for people that have, you know, either completed a dream because any dream you have, has a shelf life. You know, you might have a dream to get married. Okay, then you get married. Now what? Okay, oh, I guess kids, you know? It's like, and then you have kids and it's not so much of the dream you thought. Um, (laughs) But then they go away to college and and then it's kind of, okay, now what? What is my life for? So I think it's a question that circumstances force people into looking at, but I push people into looking at it even when the circumstances aren't. Hmm. forcing them to look at it because I believe that that muscle is critical to be able to be somebody who lives that kind of life where you're actually passionate about your life and fulfilling on something at any moment, whether you're, you know, taking a walk down the, you know, in the woods or you're in a board meeting, you know, it's like, what are you fulfilling on? What is, what, why are you there? Are you there because it was in your calendar or because it's in fulfillment of some purpose? Yeah, yeah. I like this. I like this. I like the idea because I think too many people are in autopilot and I think totally and they're not recognizing that. What are you living for? What are you what are you on earth to do? What is your the one thing that you were created for in this world? And are you doing it? You know, because when you're doing that, it feels great. And and it doesn't matter how many hours you work and it doesn't matter what you you don't care because you love it. It's that's that magic space of creation. that I'm committed that people have access to because you don't have to just go through life. You know, that whole going through lifeness is like a disease that we've all come down with and just accepted like, well, that's just what it is to live. No, it's not. That's what it is to survive and get through life. But you're going to get through life and be at the end of it. And then what? Mm. You know, you survived life. Big deal. Okay. Except not really because nobody does survive life. You know, (laughs) you are heading towards one direction. We all are. So what are you going to use your time on this planet for? And it doesn't mean it has to be some big lofty thing. You don't have to move to India and become Gandhi or whatever, but you could be the Gandhi of your family or your neighborhood or your company or whatever it is that you're fulfilling on. Mm, I like that. One thing I read or heard someone say that it when you when the when you're doing something that you're passionate about, the time goes by like you don't even realize like hours go by. You don't even yeah. you don't even notice. And do, is that what you 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 say as well or notice as yeah, well? Definitely. When you're in that I mean, magic space. Sure. I mean, you could look at it as you know what athletes call being in the zone. Uh, artists have that same. You know, they'd be painting, and then it's like three hours later, and they're like, "Oh my god, where did the time go?" But I find that in my work. I mean, when I'm coaching somebody or I'm designing. A program to me that's like my fulfillment of my mission in life to empower people to fulfill their dreams and be unmessable with so to me that is my painting or my soccer or my surfing or whatever it is so yeah Yeah. i think people find that in whatever is their jam so to speak yeah i like that you mentioned um some things that 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 hang us up that that mess with us. Uh, you mentioned like 
self-limiting beliefs, uh, ideas that we're not adequate, or what are some other areas where um, you know, but where people are getting messed with, and maybe maybe some of the top things that you see when you coach people that what is what's preventing them from being you know this creative self and living their their vision. The main things that that I find like the top top uh, offenders, so to speak, in terms of what messes with people. Number one is limiting beliefs for sure. Something that somebody thinks is true that mm-hmm. isn't. That is number one. Then I would say things that are pretty, you know, logical. Time messes with people. Sleep messes with people. Money mm-hmm. messes with people, for sure. And relationships, you know, so whether it's with your family or somebody at work or whatever, or a politician that, you know, just irks you or whatever it is, you know, you get messed with when, you know, something doesn't go the way you think it should go. So shoulds and shouldn'ts mess with people. That's a big part of what I need to dismantle with people because, you know, people really think that things should be a certain way or people should be a certain way or shouldn't be a certain way. And that's not reality. In reality, people are how they are. And you're the one saying they should or shouldn't, you know, and then you suffer. (laughs) So anytime you have a should or a shouldn't, you're going to suffer to some degree, whether it's a should or shouldn't about yourself or about something or about someone. I, I love that because I, I think, you know, I, I often talk in my books is that leadership is a people business. And I often say that people are messy, but they're also amazing. So yeah. I think many leaders get stuck where they're saying this person should be doing it this way and this person should be. And and the, the, the truth is, is a lot of times people are in the wrong positions and they, they're not doing what they're naturally great at. And part of leadership is making sure that you have the right people in the right roles and you switch them around. You, you have to find where they're saying when they're doing what what they were put on earth to do. And when they when you can get them in that role, things just, you know, you get as many hum, yeah. as possible, then things go well. But but trying to force the, you know, the square peg in the round hole, I think sometimes people are. This, this should belief that this person should be able to do that job. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And I think that a lot of leaders, what I've found, you know, with the leaders that I work with, and most of my clients are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, founders, you know, they're 80% of them are, are that, um, is that they're not connected to the people on their team's missions or purpose. Yeah. And when you're not in that person's world to get what their vision is, and is this job an access to fulfilling on that vision? If it isn't, at best, you'll get your money's worth out of the person, at best. But you're not going to get somebody who's sustainable in terms of, you know, fulfilling on their vision. So they come to work and they view that as a building block towards their legacy. And that's a different kind of game. So if you're not connected to the vision of the people who work for you, and that takes, you know, it takes getting in their world, not just having them execute your vision. It's like they maybe shouldn't be at your company if what they want isn't aligned with what you're creating. And most people don't even spend the time to get related to the people that are on their teams. And that's a mistake. I think uh, it's short-sighted because in the long run, if somebody is working with you and it is their sweet spot, it is what they love to do, it is inside of their vision, then you're going to have a very happy employee or team member. And that, you know, avoids burnout. It it avoid, it it increases retention. It's just a whole culture that gets created through getting connected to. And that's purpose-driven le- leadership, which, you know, people talk about, but they very rarely 
practice it. Yeah, very true. Very true. I think we, uh, at least I did 22 years in corporate and I saw that the the purpose was never clear sometimes because it was so, there were so many moving parts that we never got clear messages. And so there was a lot of stress and a lot of uh, uh, just uh, strife and uh, conflict yeah. and because the, the purpose wasn't clear. You know, what yeah, are we supposed to do today? You can't be aligned with something that isn't clear. It's like being a sailor and going out on the sea and you don't have a heading. How, how are you, You're going to end up in Guam. You don't even know where you're going. You have to. And, and that takes not a lot of time, but it takes tending to. It's kind of like watering the tree that bears the fruit. You, you have to spend the time to water that tree. Otherwise, that fruit's going to dry up at some point. And it's the same thing with your employees. I do a whole, when I work with companies, I, I that's like the first thing that I deal with with people because ultimately it's human resourcing, not resources. If you look at somebody as a resource, you're not going to tend to resourcing them mm -hmm. so that they are constantly given a source of energy and power and vision and fulfillment. And you're just going to end up with people that you use up like any resource, like we do with our, you know, natural resources on this planet. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. 
By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty's strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. That's a really important point. Leaders are listening in uh, in terms of trying to, you know, know your people and and try to get them to where they're doing. They're they're bringing their best every day and they're doing what they they were put on earth to do. When you do that, I think things get uh, a little more straightforward. I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, so I was just thinking, you know, the term unmessable with. Mm-hmm. So um, so what if we have whether it's. Uh, employees or a peer or a boss, someone who's going to cheat, lie, or steal, uh, something that violates ethics around them. How do you deal with that and still be unmessable with? I that That's what I was thinking about when it's it's, it's sort of coming from left field. It's coming from a, a place of uh, where you're where you're not being ethical or someone's not being ethical with you. How do you deal yeah. with those Well, ethics are created and they are personal. So not everybody has the same ethics as you or I do. And I don't even know if you and I have the same ethics. Who knows, right? right? But when somebody does something like lie or steal, and they do do that, the thing that messes with us isn't that they lied. It's that we didn't see it coming. Yes. That's what messes with you. So what happens, it's just like in a marriage, you know, it's not that your husband or wife cheats on you. It's that you didn't see it coming that messes with you or getting fired. It's not getting fired. People have been fired. It's no big deal. If you know it's coming, you're like, you can deal with it. So I train people to be related to reality so they can see things coming. And not only can they see things coming, they can intervene before certain things happen. And if something does happen, they don't have to deal with it from this shouldn't be happening. Because again, it's the this shouldn't be happening that's messing with you. It's not the thing that's happening. It's never what happened that messes with us. And that includes, by the way, I mean, I've worked with over 200,000 people over the last 30 some odd years coaching them. And I've had people have things happen to them, which I'm sure you having been in the military, you can relate to like horrible things, like seeing their family killed in front of them or they've been, you know, raped, or they've been trafficked, or, I mean, things you wouldn't wish upon anybody in your life, right? And it is never what happened that messes with them. It's what they made it mean Mm, about them, or about people, or about life, or about trust, or about whatever. So when someone lies to you in business, which they do all the time because they're called human beings, and human beings lie all the time, you know, even if it's little lies, they do. They, you know, they say I'm fine when they're not. I mean, it's just we're kind of wired that way. When you then have that meaning called they don't respect me or they're betraying me or, you know, they shouldn't be doing this and I should have known better. That's the thing that thwarts you. It isn't the lie. You can deal with a lie. Yeah, I, I saw that a lot in in, in the corporate setting where 
where they like a little maybe departments being competitive. It's like, oh, I can't believe that guy said that in the meeting. I'm going to get back at him on this next meeting. And just like this petty stuff that I was always, I guess I was always, because maybe with my military background, I was like, we're all on the same team. Like we were all have that mentality. A lot of people do not have that kind of group team mentality. It's a smart thing to engender as a culture in any company. Otherwise you end up with silos like that. And it, and it, not healthy. And I, yeah, and I saw these people getting very emotional about really just, in my mind, they were silly things. Like, like this isn't life or death, people. Why are we getting all upset about it? But I think what you're saying is, is that it wasn't so much that of, of, of what that person did, it was how they felt about it. And it was bothering. They shouldn't, shouldn't have said that in that meeting. And, and they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't. So it's the should and the shouldn't have. Exactly. That, that's because really if you think messing about it. People yeah. say whatever they say. It's what you say about what they say that messes with you. It isn't what they say. If somebody if somebody called you an artichoke, you wouldn't be all ruffled. You'd be like, whatever, I'm not an artichoke, you know. <laughs> but if somebody calls you stupid, then you go, yeah. wait a minute, you yeah. know. It's like because you have some doubt about your intelligence or something. You have no doubt that you're not an artichoke. So it's not what they say. It's what you say. So how do you deal with that when when it is something that maybe is like really close to like maybe you're you're a little uns- insecure about your intelligence maybe you came from a blue collar family like myself and uh, <laughs> you end up in these you know around a lot of smart people and then someone calls you stupid yeah. like oh well that, that Randy that, guy he's he's not smart if you know? I were coaching you in that yeah. situation I would deal with getting that complete that conversation about yourself called you're yeah. stupid there's no such thing as stupid or smart in reality. There's, you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And that's true about every single human being. Yeah. There's not a person that that's not true about. Smart and stupid is a label that we put on ourselves or other people. And it's completely arbitrary. And, you know, even whatever, you're not sitting there doing an IQ test, which is even arbitrary. <laughs> it's a made up thing that people made up. It's not, there's no smart or stupid inherently. Mm. You know, so reality isn't labeled inherently. It's human beings that label reality. And then depending on which human being you're talking to, you're going to get a different label. Mm -hmm. Like in war, you know, there are people for whom we are the terrorists. Mm. And that's really real for them. And they will, it's so real that they'll strap on a suicide bomb and, you know, go kill themselves and other people because it's so real. Or my belief is more real than your belief. And then there's war. This border is, you know, like, okay, borders are made up. They change all the time. And we get like, this is the truth. So it's it really is like if you can start to deal with reality, like here's this thing. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's not big or small in reality. It's just whatever it is. And then we have this whole story about it as human beings. You know, the frog who doesn't have language isn't like, oh, that's a big thing. You know, like they're not like they don't label things the way we do. As human beings, we have the gift of language, but we also have the curse of language because, you know, a lot of the language that we end up using by default is not very empowering. Mm. I can see where, you know, it depends on the individual, but I see a lot of people get into their heads too much. Like they're they're overthinking, overanalyzing. Oh, that's over... another thing that messes with people. Overthinking—that's a big one. Yeah, and so it, it's almost like, and and 
you know, it's not just like this thing is a thing. It's like, what does that thing mean? You know? Yeah, exactly. It it's like, and why, and why? exactly. And what are they trying to do to me by putting that there? And who's out to get me? And, you know, just yeah. nonsense that we waste our time on. Yeah. So if you find yourself getting into your head like that and you're overthinking, then that might be you, you might be getting messed with. Definitely. And then what I would do, what I do with people is I have them start to identify what messes with them. So if somebody said, oh, overthinking messes with me, I say, okay, so what's physical like symptom that you're overthinking? What's actually happening in your body? And I don't know if that's something you deal with, if you could even answer that question about overthinking, but yes or no, because we could do a real thing rather than a hypothetical. I, I, I don't have that problem. Yeah. It's the opposite so, of it. <laughs> exactly, right? So um, so I would ask them what that is. And so let's say it's maybe a tightness in their chest or it's a yeah. redness in their face or something physical happens. Yeah. And I have them access what happens physically as a red flag for that they're about to go down the road of being messable with. Now, why is it important to identify the physical manifestation of it is because what is happening when you're messable with or you go to the world of reaction is literally a physical thing. Physically, your brain, your amygdala is kicking off, right? And you're in fight, flight, or freeze, and you're surviving. Even though there's no bullet coming at you necessarily, a conversation occurs like a bullet, so you're now ready to fight back or whatever. So you need to physically interrupt that brain pattern and bring your thinking to the front part of your brain, which is where creative creativity happens. And that's why I have them see the physical part and then come up with a hack to physically interrupt yeah. that physical symptom. Whatever the hack is, whether it's shaking their hands or, you know, going like this or something that they can do without having to get up out of the room because you can't always leave a meeting to go interrupt what's happening and then reset and pre-create another road to go down so that they don't have to go down that that uh, messable with road of reaction. I love that. So so in other words, uh, just figuring out what the, what the trigger is, what the, the the physical feeling is, and then and a way to, if you will, snap yourself out of it yeah. and get to the right part of the brain. Exactly. And snapping yourself out of it. The problem with a lot of coaches, I hate, I mean, I, I hate saying anything bad about anybody and it's not bad. It's just not it's not powerful as it could be, is most people will get you to a mindset shift where you're at neutral. And that's just not enough, because if you get to neutral, all the muscle is in the reaction. So your muscles going to pull to go back there. So you get to nothing and then you go back there. So it's kind of like all right, big deal. You were able to be at peace for a moment. Okay, so that's nice as a relief. But unless you pre-create another road to go down and start building that muscle, then this muscle of being reactive is going to carry the show every time because it just has years more exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, if, if we're looking at this from a leadership perspective in this being a leadership show, what, I mean, you know, in what you've worked with lots of people, lots of leaders, entrepreneurs, people who've led other people, what are some keys to being a great leader and, and with this stuff in mind that we've been talking about? Well, one is for sure getting connected to your team's vision so that, you know, I used to have this quote, oh my God, this is like 30 years ago. It was, <laughs> I am, I am their leader I must follow. So it really is giving people the opportunity to co-create the environment and the missions and the goals and the, you know, the different 
registers that you're using or the measures that you're using to determine whether the job is getting done so that people experience being the author of what they're engaged with, not just an executor of it. That, I think, is a big uh, quality of all the greatest leaders that I've worked with. They've been able to pivot from, okay, do what I'm saying to do to, okay, let's look together. Here's my vision. What do you see? Mm-hmm. You know, or what is it that you want? And then be able to even get people new jobs if they're not the right people for yeah. the team, you know, and to, you know, practice what you preach. To be a leader, you have to demonstrate what you're demanding of other people. If you demand of yourself, you can demand anything of anybody else. You know, it's when you're not willing to demand it of yourself that it gets dicey being somebody to be able to hold a high bar for your teams. So a great leader is also somebody who's always learning and developing themselves. You know, nobody has it handled. I don't care, you know how many years I've been practicing transformation, I'm always in the middle of the mountain. I've never reached the top of it, you know, and that's 45 years I've been engaged in in this work. So that's, you know, you might think, okay, well, I've gotten some. Nope, it's the next insight, the next blind spot, the next thing I didn't see, the next muscle I haven't developed. And that I think is really important for any leader is to never come from that they have it handled. You know, or that they I mean, they may know things that their team doesn't know just from, you know, virtue of experience and stuff. But being open to co-creation and listening is very, very important, I think. Yeah, I think that that uh, that mindset of of like always, always learning and always trying to get better. I think that makes us a little more curious as uh, as leaders and and a little humility goes a long way in terms of just saying, you know, to working with your employees and say, what do you think? Or uh, how how do you how do you see this? Or am I getting this right? And those little questions and being willing to listen, I think it 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 allows them to feel or or to actually be part of this co creation. I, I love that term that you use, which is co creation. Uh, and the only way you do that is being humble enough to listen to others and and be willing to listen to ideas that maybe you know. Maybe you've done it for a long time, but but it, it, sometimes the uh, sometimes someone new to something can come up with much better ideas. I often yeah, I mean it's the fresh eyes, right? And you yeah. know, I I typically I coach people to do a method called you know the three and one. So if somebody because a lot of employees don't want to make a mistake, they don't want to you know look bad or whatever. So instead of coming to the leader and saying, okay, what should I do? I always coach my leaders and and CEOs to go to people and say, okay, give me three possible solutions and one recommendation. Of Mm. those three, what are you recommending? Doesn't mean they're going to do what the person's recommending, but that trains somebody to be entrepreneurial on their own and be the kind of team member that can think for themselves rather than just execute. And execution is important. But execution without authorship is, it's unsustainable. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I love it. Um, So maybe uh, what final message would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I think if you're not really clear about what your vision is, and I don't mean goals, I mean your vision. Like if you accomplished every goal that you ever had, then what would be possible in terms of like a space or or a 
not really an emotion or a feeling, but it's like a space, you know, it could be peace, it could be freedom, it could be self-expression, it could be, you know, whatever it is. If you're not clear about that, I would spend the time to get clear about that so that you can be functioning inside of a context because context is decisive and you can do the same things inside of a context called survival or you could do those actions inside the context called fulfillment and it will have a very different impact on you and your quality of life. And I'm about the quality of people's lives, not just what they're producing, but the quality of their life and the process. And, you know, if you look at my finger, I'm holding up a finger for those of you that are listening. And I say in the context number, what is this? You'd say one. And in the context body part, it's finger. And in the context direction, it's up. So reality, whatever this thing is, is whatever it is. But the context shapes your view of reality. Mm -hmm. So you might not be able to change reality, like, you know, that you're that you lost, you know, 50% of your business this year or that your mother got diagnosed with cancer or whatever it is, you know, that's in reality. But you always have a say over the context, which gives you your experience of life. So I would say pay real close attention to the context you're functioning in. And uh, if you're not empowered, uh, change your context. I love it. That is fantastic advice. Uh, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I've really learned a lot, Jocelyn. It's How can our listeners find out more more about you and your services? And I think you have something that you have as an offering as well to our listeners. Yeah, you, I want to you know give people the opportunity to kind of practice this whole thing about creation versus reaction. So I've come up with a free five day promise game. So it's about using your word to create the future versus just react or describe. So that you can get that at giftfromjoss.com, giftfromjoss.com. And from there, you can also see, you know, the different programs I offer or coaching opportunities or newsletters. I have lots of things, you know, whether it's free or, you know, things that you can purchase, pre-recorded things or engage with me as a coach. But mostly I just want people to get in the game of creating versus reacting. So that's why I created the Promise Game. That's fantastic. And we're going to put links in the show notes for that resource. Again, listeners, this is a free resource to, to you. And uh, if you listen to this show and you say, well, I don't have a lot of money, but I want to be a better leader. Well, guess what? We just gave you something for free. Uh, this is a gift from Joss.com. We're going to have, have that Joss.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. It's a five-day promise game. And it'll help you get that focus, get that vision, start getting your thinking right about it. So uh, and again, if you if there's something in this episode that you really are excited about, you know, reach out to Jocelyn and 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 ask her those questions, and I'm sure she'd be willing to help you out and get you at least on the right track. So, uh, so I encourage you to do it for sure. Um, well, Jocelyn, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing uh, this really fascinating discussion uh, that I think we all need to hear because. The, the things you're talking about, the idea of being unmessable with is something that we all need to listen to, whether we're leading a team of 20 or two or 2000. Uh, this is this is really important for us. Uh, so to getting our minds right about how we deal with reality. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.